faces a choice. This is Battleground America. Here's Tara Servatius. House Democrats blocking a bill that would extend the evacuations until every single American is accounted for. Republicans calling the move a terrible mistake. Make no mistake, if we get out on August 31st, we are going to condemn thousands to death. I don't care what secret side deal was struck with the Taliban. This is America. We don't leave anybody behind. <laughs> they killed the bill? Nah, we can't. We can't. We can't have these Americans being brought home. Got to leave them behind. Hey, your Democrat Party at work. But there are plenty of things we did leave behind. Enough to arm an army in Afghanistan. The numbers are becoming truly staggering. This is Adam Andrewski with Open the Books on CNN. Talking about the full scope of what we left behind. You know, I've been on this all week on the podcast because once you get to a certain point, folks, it's not an accident anymore. It's deliberate. The deliberate arming of the Taliban. Here's Anjazuski on CNN. We've made the Taliban into a major U.S. arms dealer for the next decade. Let's break down some of the numbers at a high level. For example, they now control 75,000 military vehicles. This is about 50,000 tactical vehicles. 20,000 Humvees. Each Humvee, on average, costs about $200,000 a piece. They control about 1,000 mine-resistant vehicles and even about 150 armored personnel carriers. Very expensive. But it gets a little bit worse. There's about 208 airplanes and helicopters. A lot of these aircraft are very sophisticated. Just 20 of the aircraft are the A-29s, and that's the super attack uh, planes. These planes, again, very sophisticated, latest in technology. Each one of them costs up to $21.3 million. Then you got the helicopters, like the Black Hawk helicopter. And each one of those helicopters costs up to $21 million. The strangest aspect, though, of all of this is the bizarre insistence by the Biden administration's leaders that the Taliban is in control, in charge, and that we must defer to them. It's a narrative that's barely been questioned by the media. Biden actually said yes yesterday that the successful evacuation of Americans depended on the Taliban, whether they cooperated or not. What made it so shocking was that yesterday before the Biden press conference, the Taliban announced um, that Afghans were not allowed to go to the airport. Now, you have to understand how the Taliban defines Afghans. If you have American citizenship... And you have children in America, um, but you are Afghani. That applies to you in their in their point of view. They don't care if you're an American citizen and of Afghan descent. So the Taliban puts that out in the morning. This is absolutely stunning. The Taliban puts that out in the morning. Joe has a whole press conference. He doesn't condemn it. He doesn't tell the Taliban, no, you won't block anybody. He doesn't even mention the statement at all. He just accepts it and then essentially repeats it. When he says, well, you know, these successful evacuation, it depends on what the Taliban want to do. Folks, we have the technology to change all of this almost instantaneously, as Lara Logan pointed out the other day on Tucker Carlson. The most important thing that I think Americans should understand is that both this country's enemies and the Biden administration want you to accept that there is nothing that can be done. 
that this outcome that you see, where the United States, the world superpower, is humiliated, defeated, and shamed on the world stage, that it bows at the knee, you know, takes a knee and bows at the feet of terrorists, that uh, we have to recognize the Taliban as the legitimate government of Afghanistan, that Afghans haven't fought and aren't fighting right now, that there's no resistance. Um, this foregone conclusion, right, is what they want you to accept. They're not using any of the levers of power in any dimension, not political, not diplomatic, not economic, not security-wise, not military. So you have to look at that and say, well, okay, they're getting the outcome they want because they could bomb the Taliban into the Stone Age, right, like that. They could, you know, destroy all those weapons that are in place. They could tell Pakistan to stop, cease and desist right now, or we're cutting off the money and we're putting sanctions on you. You know, when you're funding the Taliban and you finance this invasion, you know, use the levers of your power. And then let's not forget the advanced military technology that the United States military has. I mean, the kind of things we have thermal drones that can see through walls. Okay. You know, throughout the entire war in Afghanistan, none of this capability has been used. And so that's a broader question as to why not. The answer is simple. What you're seeing right now was the desired outcome. It wasn't the result of bungling. It was the goal. And it is a goal that's shocking the world. Even the other leaders of the G7. Remember yesterday's podcast, none of this was bungled. It was deliberate. That is why the Biden administration, Biden himself personally at the G7, told the other leaders from the lectern, um, don't worry, we're leaving enough people behind in Afghanistan. You don't have to pull your people out. He even addressed Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of the UK, personally and said, hey, listen, um, you don't know. You can even keep your embassy in Kabul up and running. We're going to leave enough of a footprint. Your people will be safe. And then we did the opposite. Again, I explained yesterday why that was. Had we given them a heads up, had we not lied about our total pullout that was coming, what would they have done? They would have sent people in back in June. It only takes 2,500. That was our total footprint. That's how many troops we had in Afghanistan. They could have easily equaled it if they had a month or two. They would have put them on the ground and the Taliban would have never taken over. In other words, the goal of putting the Taliban in the driver's seat and creating an instant Islamic caliphate could not have been realized. So we lied. We lied to our allies. And that, this hasn't been explained to the American people, that is the source of their outrage. It's also the reason why the emergency G7 summit that was held by telephone yesterday lasted just seven minutes. Well, not for the other people on the phone call, just for Biden. Biden ducked out after just seven shocking minutes. Why is that? Because in the seven minutes that Biden went with the leaders of France, the UK, all the G7 summit. Can you imagine blowing them off like this? They were supposed to coordinate aid. Biden lasted seven minutes. Shoot, that's longer than it takes me to get through the Chick-fil-A drive through And why is that? Because they very quickly made it known from Germany to the UK. They did not agree with his withdrawal date. They asked him to stop. What did the White House do? Used it as a photo op. Yep, that picture, it's all over the news, of Biden sitting at the big desk and he's right there by the screen that says G7 as if if he's conducting a summit. Yeah, they don't tell you. He dove out after seven minutes. Now, listen to what he did after that. This, it just gets more stunning as you go. He lied. 
After keeping the press waiting for four hours for him to appear, that's right, he was four hours late to his own press conference, showed up red-eyed to it and lied about the call with the G7 leaders, claiming they were supportive, standing shoulder to shoulder with him on his withdrawal. Everybody's in agreement. That's not what the transcript says. That's not what the public reports say. That the Brits and the Germans were furious at what was going on and begging us to extend the timeline because they can't get everyone out. But that's not what Biden lied to the world and said, look, this is unbelievable that he's lying about this. I mean, the transcript's right there on the internet. Anybody can see what they said. You want to hear how the BBC covered it? Want to hear how the British BBC covered it? They were very clear. The G7 leaders were not in agreement with Biden on this ridiculous August 31st withdrawal date. It comes after a virtual summit of G7 leaders, during which the U.S. was put under pressure to extend the deadline. Boris Johnson called on the Taliban to allow safe passage beyond that date for anyone who wants to leave. Well, at the G7 meeting this afternoon, the U.S. faced calls from European leaders to maintain troops in Afghanistan. The EU Council president said Kabul airport should stay open for as long as it takes to evacuate those trying to leave. And the German Chancellor Angela Merkel said that airlifts could not continue without the U.S. Even more shocking than it must have been to these leaders to read later that Biden claimed they supported his withdrawal date. Folks, inside these capitals behind closed doors... Jaws are hanging open. I mean, our our former, I don't know, are they our allies We after the way we gigged them? Folks, when you gig a political leader like this so their own citizens are left in this country, they believed you? I mean, I can't even describe to you what this is like behind closed doors there. And they have this G7 meeting, right? The purpose of the meeting was to coordinate, to get the countries to coordinate, to get these people out. The coordination never happened. Joe was gone again in seven minutes. I can't imagine what is being said in these capitals by these G7 leaders, by the intel agencies and officers around them and how they're analyzing this. It's, there are no words. But back to this idea that, oopsie, Taliban's in charge, nothing we can do, better adhere to their their deadline. I want you to hear from somebody who knows what we can do in Afghanistan. He is a former Navy SEAL commander. His name is Jocko Wilnick. And he says this is what Biden should say, because it's what we could do. The contrast with this and what Biden has actually said is jarring. The Taliban has taken control of Afghanistan. There are reports now that ISIS and Al-Qaeda are working alongside them. Unfortunately, there are tens of thousands of Americans on the ground there, as well as friends and allies of America on the ground. These people, Americans and our allies, are all stranded. But they will not be stranded for long. In the next 48 hours, America will be in control of most major airports in Afghanistan. Any resistance we meet from the Taliban or otherwise when we seize these airports will be destroyed completely and without mercy. From those airports, we will conduct rapid strike rescue missions until we have recovered and evacuated all our citizens, allies, And friends, any person that interferes with these operations will be killed. We will also recover or destroy 
all aircraft, vehicles, weapons, and sensitive equipment that we left behind. Any person utilizing, guarding, or located in close proximity to these weapons or equipment will be killed. Once we have evacuated all friendly personnel and recovered or destroyed the weapons and equipment left behind, we will depart Afghanistan. But we will continue to monitor everything that happens in Afghanistan through our ground and airborne surveillance equipment. Terrorist training camps or activity will be targeted and destroyed. Gross violations of human rights will be stopped through overwhelming force. Now listen to the shocking contrast. Again, here's Biden yesterday saying, well, you know, whether Americans will get out or not depends on what the Taliban want to do and whether they cooperate. But the completion by August 31st depends upon the Taliban continuing to cooperate and allow access to the airport for those who were were transporting out and no disruptions to our operations. Now contrast the Navy SEAL's words with the words of our Secretary of State, his stubborn insistence, even on CNN, that the Taliban is in charge and we have to defer to them. Someone in our audience might listen to you, Mr. Secretary, and say, oh, so we have to ask the Taliban for permission for American citizens to leave. True or not true? They, they are in control of Kabul. That is the reality. Uh, that's the reality uh, that, uh, that we have to deal with. And then the follow-up question. How comfortable are you with mission. that, Mr. Secretary? My, what I'm, what I'm uh, focused on, uh, what we're all focused on, is getting people out. And in this case, uh, it uh, is, I think, a requirement of the job uh, to be in contact with, with the Taliban, which controls Kabul. And look. And then the bizarre spectacle of our CIA director going to meet with them as if they're a legitimate diplomatic force. While our G7 allies beg us to extend the deadline. In other words, to to throw the Taliban overboard and maintain our loyalty to them, not the Taliban. They got a seven minute response and a total gaff off from a president who couldn't be bothered to hang around long enough to coordinate rescue efforts, which may be why British Colonel Richard Kemp, former commander of their armed forces, had this to say about the future of NATO. It's essentially kaput now. I think the consequences of what's just happened and what's still happening are absolutely devastating for the whole of the Western world. Um, I, I mentioned earlier the, 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 the catastrophic effect on NATO. NATO is a very important military alliance. Many presidents have, have, uh, con- uh, have uh, criticised it for not pulling its weight, of the European member states in particular, and they're right to do so. But President Biden has just completely destroyed its credibility, totally destroyed it. Uh, single-handed. It's not the first time this has happened. Remember when ISIS took parts of Iraq and Syria, built a 40,000-strong caliphate on the border of both, and the Biden administration claimed it would be there for generations since we'd never be able to remove it? Putin and Trump said, hold my beer. They wiped it out completely in nine months with an unmerciful campaign of absolute punishment from the air but they didn't even need to start the bombing before the caliphate fell apart i'll never forget the russian statement of warning to the members of the caliphate 
that Russia was coming for them, that they would annihilate the caliphate. And the warning specifically was that their rules of combat were not America's rules of combat, that Americans might allow you to surrender once you run out of ammo and put your gun down, but not Russia. Run out of ammo and put your gun down, they said, and we'll shoot you. Turn and run, we'll shoot you in the back, and we will kill you. Hilariously, they began dismantling the caliphate themselves. And in the week after that statement, men, fighters, were caught crossing the border, running, turning tail, dressed as women. It was great. It's not hard to fix this stuff, guys. They only want you to think it's hard to fix this. And so, remember the ISIS trucks, those brand new Toyotas streaming across the desert? As I, on the radio screen, bloody murder, that we had to bomb them now. We didn't bother. And then remember the cries and the pleas for help from Iraq. They begged us to bomb them. Why? Because they were buying and paying for a fleet of bomber jets that should have been delivered in time to destroy the columns. But America wouldn't give them to them. Even though they'd paid, we held them for months. And by then, it was too late. The whole cycle is repeating again, as if it's all deliberate. Representative Greg Stubbe gets awful close to the truth with this. Well, during the Obama-Biden administration, you're right, the entire northern part of Iraq was overtaken by ISIS. And again, we sat back and did absolutely nothing as a nation to prevent that from happening. Uh, so you're seeing a similar thing happen here, but Biden's saying, look, once we get out, we're not going back in. And, and he's even refusing to go in and get our people. And you're right, they have aircraft, they have our vehicles, they have our, our weapons and munitions. Why are we not going back in? And if we can't, get that equipment back, destroying it. We have the ability with drones and aircraft and fighters and bombers to identify our equipment, identify our aircraft. But if we can't go in and get it to bomb that equipment so it at least doesn't fall in the hands of the terrorists, uh, ISIS or al-Qaeda or the Taliban or otherwise, absolutely should not have our Humvees, our Blackhawks, our military equipment, our munitions. You've seen the videos just like everybody else has. Uh, what's happening in Afghanistan. Not only should our people get out, that should be our number one priority, but once we get our people out, we should go back in strategically and either destroy that equipment or get it back. Battleground America with Tara Servatius. Please subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Share with friends, family, and other free thinkers. Thanks for listening.